0: That the things God did with and through those very first Christians, He wants to do again, with and through you and me. Uh, and so now, based on our rough outline that Pastor Matt and I put together a, a long time ago for this series, I should be sharing with you this morning from the second half of Acts chapter five. But to be perfectly honest with you, for the last two weeks I have not been able to get past Acts chapter four. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Matt shared on Acts chapter four, and it was fantastic. Uh, I have been repeating and resharing things that he said over and over for two weeks now, and, and I'm going to do it again this morning. Uh, I think what he, what he shared was so much what the Lord wants us to hear and wants us to get, not, not just to hear it, but to get it, to hear it and understand it and begin to do something with it. It would be tragic to hear some of these things and nod our heads, oh, that was really, really nice, and then let's just move on to the next thing. God wants to do something, wants to do something with with these instructions, and so I'm going to return this morning to Acts chapter 4, and the first chunk of what I share with you, I'm essentially going to repeat what Pastor Matt shared with you two weeks ago, so if it sounds familiar, uh, he gets the credit for it, but I believe the Lord wants us to get this and do something with it. Very quick backdrop just to catch you up as we've been walking through the history of the early church. Jesus has gone back up to heaven to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit has come down and begun to fill the followers of Jesus. They've started developing this authentic Christian community. They're trying to figure out how to live like followers of Jesus in a broken and messed up world. And then a little bit of time passes, and Peter and John run into this lame, this crippled guy, and God instantly heals him in the streets. A crowd gathers around, they start to talk about Jesus, and, and, and for their efforts, they're grabbed and thrown in jail overnight. The next day, they're hauled before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, who are clearly not happy that they're talking about Jesus. And once again, they boldly proclaim Jesus in front of those people, and that's where I want us to start this morning. So would you stand with me, please, in honor the Word of God as you're able to do that. Just to get this focus of moving, we're going to read Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, that way we'll walk through the passage together. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. This is what the Bible says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, There was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this from spreading any further among the people, We must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now, the very first thing Pastor Matt pointed out two weeks ago when he shared from, from, from this passage and a little bit more was the fact that these were totally regular guys ordinary Joes, regular Jills, regular people just like you and me. Sometimes we tend to forget that when we look at the early church, but they were regular, ordinary people. From time to time, they messed up big. Just like when John and James wanted to call down fire out of heaven and burn up a whole bunch of Samaritans, or when Peter denied three times even knowing Jesus on the night of his arrest, the Bible says that when the Sanhedrin looked at Peter and John, it says they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. In other words, when they looked at these guys, they thought, these guys are nothing special. There was nothing about them that would particularly cause you to want to sit up and take notice. And yet, people were beginning to sit up and take notice. These ordinary, unimpressive guys were starting to have an incredible impact on the people and the community all around them. And I think, Lord, do that again with us today. That leads me to the second observation the Sanhedrin had when they looked at these guys, which is they observed that they had been with Jesus. The Bible says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. As Pastor Matt encouraged us two weeks ago, we have got to get with Jesus. We've got to spend time with Jesus, to spend time with Him in His Word, looking at Him and listening to Him and learning from Him and letting Him change us. That was the life pattern of the very first followers of Jesus. And people noted that they had been with Jesus. And from their times with Jesus, they went out and talked about it. As they explained to the ruling authorities, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Some of you in your own lives have had similar personal times of revival, times when you were so incredibly in love with Jesus, you were so enthralled with the Holy Spirit, you were so intently into the Word of God. You read your Bible and you got excited about what you found there, what the Lord was showing you. You came to church and you got excited about what you were hearing, what you were learning and seeing and learning about the Lord. You got excited during the praise and worship. You expected God to move in your life. And you could not wait to tell somebody about it. You couldn't wait to talk about what was God, what God was doing in you, what God was showing you, what was happening inside of you. <coughs> You'd go to lunch with people, you'd take your Bible, and you'd show them the passages you'd been studying. You'd talk to them about what God was teaching you as you read your Bible. You'd share stories about how last week God showed me this, and this week that very thing came up at church or work or school or at home. Anybody have times, stories of times like that in your own life? You read in the Bible how Jesus healed all these people, and you couldn't wait to run into a sick person. Not because you want people to be sick, but because you couldn't wait to tell them what God was showing you, and you could not wait to lay your hand on them and see what just might happen. You got together with people just to pray. You got together with people to share the gospel. You always, always had your Bible with you. You were always talking about Jesus. You were always telling stories about cool things God was doing because you were regularly seeing God do cool things. I believe today when people say, I want things to be like that again, I believe God responds by saying, I want you to be like that again. Because I believe things will be like that again when you and I are like that again. Too often we get it completely, exactly, perfectly backwards. We think when things change in the church, when the preaching gets better, or the music gets different, or, or this happens, or when things change here or things change there, then I'll get excited about Jesus again. That is perfectly and exactly backwards. God's plan has always been to change the things around you by changing you. To change the circumstances around us by changing us. It's time to stop waiting for other stuff to happen. To get with Jesus in His Word and then go out and tell people, what he shows us there. That brings me back to Pastor Matt's three questions from two weeks ago. The first question he asked, you may remember, was, why don't we see this stuff happening more often? More healings, more miracles, more people being saved. Why aren't we seeing it more often? There was a time some people might say, well, we'll see it more often when we start doing church like Pastor Murley did. The bad news is these guys weren't doing church like Pastor Murley did. I saw these things happen, miracles and healings, and, and, and I wasn't in Pastor Murley's church. I wasn't even in a charismatic church. So what's the answer? Why don't we see these things happen more often? I believe the answer to Pastor Matt's first question came in his second two questions. And the second question he asked was, do people think of me as someone who has been with Jesus? Is that my reputation? Is that one of my defining characteristics? When the people looked at Peter and John, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And is that what people take note of when they look at me? His third question two weeks ago was, what do I talk about? The first followers of Jesus talked about Jesus. They talked about what they were seeing and hearing and learning as they spent time with Jesus. We cannot help but speak, they said about what we have seen and heard. The truth is that's true of everybody. We can't help but speak about what we pay attention to. We all have a tendency to talk about what we're thinking about, what we're looking at, what we're doing, what we're giving our attention to, what we're giving our focus to. So what do I talk about the most? I suspect and I fear. The honest answer may be most of the time, I talk about me, my wants, my desires, my plans, my aches, and my pains. The first followers of Jesus talked about Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, the Sanhedrin understood. All you have to do to stop a move of God, all you have to do to stop a revival is stop people from talking about Jesus. But to stop this from spreading any further among the people, they said, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. If you want to stop a revival, if you want to stop a move of God, you just have to stop talking about Jesus. Just stop using the name of Jesus out there where the people are. But I suspect the converse is just as true. If you want to start a revival, if you want to start a move of God, we must start talking about Jesus. We must start using the name of Jesus out there where the people are. Now, I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be crude. So I want to be sure you understand I am not suggesting that I believe you have it in your own ability and your own power to bring about a full scale revival. Obviously, that is a work of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to move. The Holy Spirit has to convict. The Holy Spirit has to draw people to Jesus and grant them repentance and grant them faith. The Holy Spirit has to touch and heal and deliver and restore. But listen, the Holy Spirit wants to do that. The Holy Spirit wants to bring people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to do the will of the Father. And historically... The Holy Spirit has done that. Whenever the people of God press into Jesus and the Word of God and then go out and share with others what they're seeing and hearing and learning. That's how it happened with the very first followers of Jesus. That's how it happened with some of you in the 1970s. That's how it happened with me and a group of my friends in the late 80s and early 90s. And I have to tell you this morning, I am just... Unschooled and ordinary enough to believe that's how it can happen again. A few weeks ago, a bunch of us went to uh, Omaha, Nebraska for the LCMC annual gathering. The keynote speaker there was a guy named Greg Finke, and he was talking all over just exactly this sort of stuff. For three weeks now, I've been resharing things Greg Finke shared because I thought it was Jesus and it was worth sharing. One of his observations was this, he said, the modern church has replaced discipleship with scholarship. And what he really meant by that was this, now don't go blame the seminarians, because that's not what he was talking about. What he really meant was this, an awful lot of Christians read the Bible and listen to sermons to hear cool stuff they never intend to do anything about. Let me say it again. An awful lot of Christians read the Bible and listen to sermons in order to hear cool stuff they never intend to do anything about. They just will say, oh, that was a good word. wonder what will happen next week. But listen, Jesus speaks and Jesus shares things always in order to do something. Jesus speaks in order to change us, and Jesus speaks in order to equip us to change the world. Jesus speaks in order to change us, to give us something to apply in our lives and be transformed and become more like Him. And Jesus speaks in order to equip us, to give us something to give away, to equip us to make a difference in the world. Every time Jesus gives you something, every time Jesus says something, you think, man, that's really cool. Every time Jesus gives you something, He expects you to share it with others, to take what you've been given and give it away as Greg Finke pointed out in Omaha, if you take it in and take in and take in and take in and you never give back out, that's called constipation. (laughs) It's not good for you. It's not comfortable. And Jesus never intended for his church to be constipated. You and I were created to be conduits, to receive and give back out again, to take it in and give it back out. To receive from Him and share it with others. To be blessed and to be a blessing. So when the Lord shares something neat with you, you see it in the Bible, you hear it in church. It happens, somebody shares a word in a service. When the Lord shares something neat with you, you need to give it away. It is always His intention that you receive it, you change, and you give it away. You receive it, you change, and you give it away. This is the first New Testament pattern of revival. Receive it, change, and give it away. And all three steps matter. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you're never, ever going to receive it. We have to have time with Jesus. Open your Bible expecting to meet Him. Come to church expecting to meet Him. Go into prayer expecting to meet Him. Go to small group and micro group expecting to meet Him. Look and listen for the Holy Spirit because everything begins when you receive it from Him. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not likely to receive it. And if you're not uh, applying it and letting it change you, you don't really have it yet. Pastor Merle used to say, you're not changed by the Word of God, you hear. You're changed by the Word of God, you do. At Resurrection Church, one of our core values is we are married to the message. We believe the stuff we teach. We believe the things we say, and we are working to close the gap between what we say and what we do. We are working to close the gap between what we believe and how we live. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you won't receive it. If you're not applying it and let it change you, you don't yet have it. And if you never give it away, it will die right there with you. Jesus shares stuff to change you, and Jesus shares stuff to equip you, to put it in your hands so you can give it away. When Peter saw that lame, that cripple out there in the street, he said, Look, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, Christ, stand up and walk. Jesus put healing in Peter's hand, and Peter gave it away. Jesus wants you to share. You receive it, you change, and you give it away. For two weeks, I have been re-giving things that the Lord gave me through Pastor Matt two weeks ago. For three weeks, I've been re-giving things the Lord put in me through Greg Finke because I want to practice what I preach. Can you imagine what might happen? I say what might happen because only the Spirit of God can genuinely bring a full-scale revival. But can you imagine what might happen if every person in this church made a rock-solid commitment To take one Jesus thought every week, something Jesus shares with you in your personal study, something he shares with you in prayer, something he shares with you in the Sunday service, and share it with two other people over the course of the week. That one Jesus thought that was shared one time in a church service, if 200 people would share it twice, now has 400 times the exposure, 400 times the opportunity to make an impact and make a difference, from just being shared once to being shared at least four hundred times in the course of a week. What if those of you guys who are really big in social media? I, I, I'm not one, but what if you were? What if you are? What if you consider every week before you leave this property, you take a shot of the service, you take a shot of something, and before you leave the property, on Instagram or Twitter, on your Facebook page, you share one meaningful thing Jesus gave you, shared with you, did for you in the service. Maybe it's from the Praise and Worship Medley. Maybe it's a a prophetic word someone shared during the service. Maybe it's a point from the sermon. But you post it, you share it, you tweet it before you ever leave to go to lunch. And then you commit at some point during the the week to share it in person with two honest-to-goodness living people. What might God do? God wants His world back. This is one of the things Finky shared in in Omaha. is, is fantastic. God wants His world back, and He's left you in it to help Him get that. God wants His world back. Why didn't He just take you to heaven the moment you were born again? Right out of the waters of baptism, just suck you up to eternity in Jesus. He paid for all of that because God wants His world back, and He's left you in it to help Him get that. God did not leave you in this world so you could leave the world alone. It's Another Greg Finke. Listen, I don't have a man crush on him. I'm just trying to be faithful to practice what I preach. If someone shares something I think that's Jesus, then I want to pass it on. God did not leave you in this world so you could leave this world. By the way, passing things on means you don't have to come up with all the good stuff. You can just steal it. Uh, It's up between you and God if you take credit. God didn't leave you in this world so you could leave it alone. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We must share the name of Jesus because Jesus is the only name by which people can be saved. The only thing you have to do to stop a revival. The only thing you have to do to stop a move of God is stop speaking the name of Jesus. Having said all that, I, I need to be very honest with you, very upfront with you, because the rest of the truth is not everyone is going to be excited to hear your Jesus thoughts and your God stories. Not everyone is going to love you. For telling them about Jesus and sharing the gospel. Because the truth is the gospel is inherently offensive. The gospel says you need a savior. The gospel says you're broken. And you can't fix yourself. And the truth is that's offensive. It's offensive to people who think they've got it all going on. It's offensive to people who think they've got it all together. It's offensive to people who imagine they are totally self-sufficient. It's offensive to people who view themselves as self-made men and self-made women. Many times when you go out there and you share your Jesus thoughts and you share your God stories, many times people will be encouraged and moved toward faith in the Lord. And sometimes... They won't like it. And they just might take it out on you. Peter and John were super faithful. They spent time with Jesus and they couldn't help but talk about it. And listen to me, when you live like that, when you spend time with Jesus and then talk about it, sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to do stuff. Like heal a crippled guy right there in the street. Sometimes when you live like that, you spend time with Jesus and you talk about it, sometimes people are going to get mad at you. They arrested Peter and John. They harassed them, they threatened them, and then they let them go. And that brings us to Acts 4.23. The Bible says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Literally in Greek, it says Peter and John went back to their own. Look at me. You are my people. You are my kind of people. Together, we are the people of God. Together, we are the church of God. Together, we are the family of God. And we are part of God's gift and grace for one another. Part of God's provision for one another. You need to go out there and do the work of the kingdom. And you need to come back here to be encouraged and built up. Peter and John had spent a night in the local pokey. They'd been browbeaten and harassed by some very powerful people. And the moment they were let go, they gathered together with the people of God. And here you find the second major revival pattern of the New Testament from Acts 1-9 to anyway. The first pattern we looked at was you receive it, you change, you give it away. You receive it, you change, you give it away. And the second pattern right here is this. You go out there and you come back here. And you go out there and you come back here and you go out there and you come back here. You go out there to share the kingdom. You come back here to get refueled and renourished. You go out there and you, uh, to serve and to heal and to help and to bless to press into the brokenness and the hurt in the world, to show and to share the kingdom of God, to declare and to demonstrate the goodness of God, the love of God, and the peace of God, and the righteousness of God, and then you come back here to the people of God, to the community of saints and the family of God where you're welcomed and you're loved and you're refreshed and you're restored. You go out there to do the work, you come back here to be strengthened and prayed for. And we do it over and over and over again. We go out into the world, we come back into the community. We go out in the world, we come back to small group and micro group where we can open up and dump our hearts and talk about our joys and talk about our, our, our trials, talk about our frustrations and, and our successes. And we get help and counsel and encouragement and prayer. Someone called me just a couple uh, days ago. They were out of town. They were having a, a pretty rotten time. Things were going pretty bad. And they called, and they just wanted a familiar voice and some prayer. And they started telling me what was going on. And I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. I and mean, they're having a pretty rotten time. And they said, literally, they, they, they said to me, and I quote, I just wanted to hear one of your prayers. This is someone I've prayed with many, many times over the years. They get it. Man, we go out there, and sometimes we get beat up out there. So we come back here to be encouraged and strengthened and prayed for, and to do that for one another. You go out there, you come back here together, we go up to God. The Bible says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had to say to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. It's the second great New Testament revival pattern. God's basic pattern for life for his people. You go out there, you come back here, together we go up to God. And then you go back out there again. Every week I, have a, I, have a, I meet with a small group in my home. I meet with three different microgroups at different times during the week. And we are pressing into this whole idea of sharing your Jesus thoughts, sharing your God's are jiggling the door with the people around you, seeing if someone will open it up. We are working on that and talking about that. And every week we get together and we, ch- and we check on each other and we see how it's going. Zach's in one of my microgroups. A couple weeks ago, he came to group, he shared, he decided he was going to jiggle the door with some of the guys from the White Water Center he works with, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and he said, hey, God, man, at church, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how the, how the Spirit of God comes and lives inside. you. It is awesome. And immediately the guy said, anybody see a football game last night? And it's like, you know, it, there's this little bit of air, you know, that kind of goes out. And, and he was talking about it. But in microgroup, man, we were able to celebrate the effort They say, dude, that's awesome. That is so cool that you're jiggling the door. And we reminded each other. It is God's problem what happens with that. Only the Spirit of God can make anybody care. Only the Spirit of God can push somebody to open the door. We jiggle. The rest of it is up to the Lord. But but, but together we could celebrate and and encourage and and remember the goodness of God together in it. Uh, Greg and Christina a painter in a micro group we do and I texted everybody early in the week Said, don't forget to jiggle the door this week and Greg texted right back and said Christina, Christine and I are jiggling the door and it seems like everybody is already a Christian this is a sad face emoji hashtag where are all the atheists <laughs> I texted back and I said dude that's awesome Keep jiggling, keep jiggling. But I need to remind you, our official position is to be happy when people aren't going to hell. So anyway, uh, but the awesome thing is we're coming together and we're encouraging and we're pushing each other and we're encouraging each other and we can talk about what's frustrating and we can talk about what's fantastic and we get better together. We go out there and we come back here and we get strengthened and encouraged to go back out there again. I want to make sure you understand the church is not a country club retreat from reality. The church is not a place you go to avoid the harsh realities of life. The church is a people to whom you go to walk through the harsh realities of life. As you engage them in the name of Jesus out there day after day. You go out there, you come back here. Together we go up to God in prayer and worship. This is the pattern for New Testament life. This is the pattern for community transformation and revival. The world needs Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. If you're here this morning, you need Jesus. If you're not here this morning, you need Jesus. Everybody you know needs Jesus. Everybody you don't know needs Jesus. And if we want people to come to Jesus, we're going to have to speak up in the name of Jesus. To spend time with Jesus, receive and be changed and give it away. Go out there and do the work, come back here and be encouraged. And then do it again and again and again. God is no respecter of persons. What He did with Peter and John and all the rest of them, I believe He wants to do with you and me. We just need to press in and let Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You as always for the clarity and the power of Your Word. As Debbie shared with us, as you shared really with us through Debbie and, and, and through that message in tongues, Lord, it is a serious thing to shine forth Your glory but it is our calling, and it is our privilege. Lord, fill us up. Change us. And may we go out to be salt and light in the world, to make a difference in the world, and use us, we pray, to transform our community, to change our city, to change our world, for your glory, And for the benefit of many. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to work.